I'm not sure I'm ready to preach this morning and uh, has nothing to, to do with the sermon preparation. I, Pastor Chuck, choir, praise team, Laura, y'all did a great job this morning. And it was just sweet worship. Thank y'all. I know that the same is true over in the gym, that the praise team over there uh, has done a great job, but that doesn't happen by accident. They don't just show up on Sunday morning and lead us. And I am grateful that you all work and sacrifice and give of your time to lead us in worship because it is important that we worship, and it has been sweet this morning. Let me invite you to Matthew chapter 7. I think that's where we're at this morning, Uh, Matthew 7. Uh, Matthew 7, 1, uh, I want to talk about familiar with, um, and I'm not sure how to say this, so I'm just going to have to emphasize the punctuation here. Uh, my wife's a fourth grade teacher, I know that punctuation's important, even when I don't know what is the right punctuation to use, but I want you to notice the title, Matthew 7, 1 through 6, do not judge, question mark, uh, do not judge, question mark. Here's the big question this morning. What is Jesus saying to his followers about judging others? I want to read. You would give me clarity of speech and clarity of thought, that I might say what lines up with your word, and that you may be glorified by all that is said and done here today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you see, the title is Do Not Judge, question mark. In fact, the first point of the sermon is the same. Do not judge, question mark. This may be the most quoted verse in all of Scripture, or this idea that is contained there is the most quoted partial verse of all the New Testament. People love to quote, do not, ver- do not judge. In fact, you even give the slightest co- uh, comment about behavior to somebody, and what are they going to say? Don't judge. Don't judge me. Don't you know what Jesus said? Thou shalt not judge. And so it is quoted, and it is often quoted, maybe the most quoted and perhaps the most misunderstood verse in the Bible. Um, It is not a prohibition of judgment. In fact, I think if you look at the context of the verse, it is absolutely not a prohibition of judgment. He goes on to say that we ought to worry about what is in our brother's eye, We just perhaps should take care of the bigger piece that is in our own eyes before we go to look at our brother's eye. So I think that the context is for sure telling us that this is not a prohibition of judgment, but it is a call to contemplate how clearly in the lives of other people than I see sin clearly in my own life. I'm able to call it out. I'm able to recognize it. I'm able to see it immediately. And I sometimes think to myself, Lord, you need to have a talk with that person and their behavior. Are you aware of all that they're doing? And yet when there is sin in my own heart and in my own life, the temptation for me is to sweep it under the rug, to minimize it, and to cry out to God for mercy and grace and forgiveness. But when I see sin in the lives of others. I don't cry out for mercy and grace and forgiveness. I say, God, it's time for judgment. I think that that is what the Lord Jesus is. Away from it, find forgiveness in Jesus, and be restored to right relationship with him. That's what I want for me. Anytime there's sin in my heart, I want to go, Lord, I'm so grateful that your mercy is new every morning, that your grace flows down like a waterfall. Oh, Lord, would you show me grace and mercy yet Jesus says with the same standard or the same measure that we use to judge others, 
we will be judged. This is not a prohibition against judgment. It is a call to contemplate how and who and why we judge. Secondly, I want us to see we ought to focus on your sin, or we, you ought to focus on your sin, or we ought to focus on our sin. This is a personal call not to avoid judgment, but it's a personal call to reflect on our sin, to look within ourselves, to, to be more concerned about my sin. Uh, pastors love to preach on the sins of others out there. We love to preach on the sins of the world and the sins of society. We love to talk about the evil and fallen world that's out there. You know why they knew him or those who did know him? This call to judgment is several things. Uh, let me read verses 3 through 5. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? It's almost comical, right? When we think about Jesus saying this, it's almost comical. I have a two-by-four coming out of my eye, and somebody else has a splinter in their eye, and I'm walking around with a two-by-four sticking out of my eye saying, I need to come and help you with the splinter you have. I mean, that's ridiculous, right? Like, perhaps I should notice there's a two-by-four sticking out of my eye? And Jesus uses this as an example to call our attention to our behavior. We almost always want to overlook our sin. We almost always want to minimize our sin. We almost always want to go, well, praise Lord, or, praise the Lord, there's grace and forgiveness for me. And then we're ready to call out our brothers and sisters. Verse 4, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Verse 5, hypocrite. First take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. This call to judgment is several things. First of all, notice the call to judge among family. There in verse 3, there in verse 4, brother's eye. How can you say to your brother, there at the end of verse 5, to take the splinter out of your brother's eye? If we're honest, we want to meet here as believers today and talk about how bad they are. We should tell them that they are lost. We should tell them that they are sinners. We should tell them that Jesus has paid the penalty. But we ought to start with loving our neighbors in order to point them to their need of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if we want to talk about sin, we need to do it in here among the brothers and sisters. By the way, there's enough sin in the church house to keep us busy for lifetimes. Like, we're not going to get done. If we get it all taken care of in here, then we can go out there. But we're not. Like, I know myself well enough to know. Like, I need to work on my sin so that God might do something in my life that I can use to help somebody else. Here's an example I think of. I, I used this in the first service and didn't even realize about the 50th anniversary. Some of you have been married a long time and you've walked through good and bad together. And you've seen Jesus do great and wonderful things in your marriage. And it's not always been easy, but God has been faithful. Can I tell you that there are some folks that are just married? They need some godly men and women who are in that area. Can I help you remove the speck out of your eye? Never in judgment or in arrogance, but always in humility. What we see is not only is this a call to judge among the family, but it's a call to judge without hypocrisy. In verse 5, he says, hypocrite. And I think we should also notice the, the punctuation there, an exclamation mark. Hypocrite. 
I read some verses in Scripture in Sunday school this morning. I read the verses where Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb, and I just read it in my normal voice, and the Sunday school class gave me grief because they said that's not the way Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb. Apparently, Jesus did not say, Lazarus, come forth. Apparently, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And they wanted me to say it that way, and I didn't. I just read it. Let me draw your attention to verse 5, the first word. I'm not sure Jesus said hypocrite. I think what he said is hypocrite to draw our attention to it. Verse 5, whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street quarters. So when we give, we're not to be like the hypocrites sounding trumpets before our giving. When we pray, we're not to be praying on the street corners so everybody will hear us. We're not to be like the hypocrites. And then in verse 16, whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites. We're not to go around going, oh, I haven't eaten in three days. I'm so hungry. I'm fasting for the Lord, though. Now, that's hypocritical. Then, in here for us to work on. But can I break it even a little more closer to home? There's plenty of sin in here for me to work on. When I get to heaven, I don't know all that will go on. I don't know all that Jesus will say. I don't know all the interactions that we will have. But can I tell you one I know we won't have? I know that God is not going to ask me about your sins. He's not going to say, Richard, now, uh, how about, uh, how about uh, the folks at Scott Lake? What, what did you see in their lives? What was it that they didn't take care of? You know whose sins he's going to talk to me about? He's going to talk to me about Richard. He's going to know every one of somebody else's sin, but I will give an account for mine. And so if I'm going to be judging sin, perhaps the place I ought to, chart, ought to start is my own heart. If we're going to judge sin without hypocrisy, it's going to be judging our sin. Now, here's the deal. It is a call to look at our sin first. It doesn't mean we never look at the sins of others. Certainly those that we're closest to. Can I tell you, my family sees my sin. They know it. And sometimes I need them to lovingly call it out. Sometimes they see the... He's going to use us after spending a whole lot of time talking about our sin, about my sin. Why is it that I can see it so clearly in everybody else's life, but I can overlook it so quickly in my own heart? Jesus says we ought to judge. We ought to judge with the same standard. We ought to not judge with hypocrisy. We ought to start with our own sin first. Thirdly, I want us to look at verse 6. Know your audience. Know your audience. Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs. Although I would tell you it's never inappropriate to share the gospel, no matter who the person is. Uh, We may suspect, we may believe, and we may even be right that someone is going to reject the gospel, but I think every time the gospel is shared, it is an act of faithful obedience. I think what we see here is, is that it may be an encouragement for us as the church not to go out and talk about sins to our neighbors. Are our neighbors sinners? Like the people who make up Lakeland and Polk County, are they sinners? 
Like, we don't have to pray about that, right? Like, we're not going, Lord, I don't know. I've been in Polk County a while. Are there... No, they're there. I mean, like, they're there. We live among sinners. By the way, we're worshiping among sinners this morning. Um, we're to be out loving them. Now, we always love them with the goal of pointing them to Jesus every single time. We befriend them. We get to know them. We love them. We serve them all so that at some point we can tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. But we don't start with their sins. We don't start with how horrible they are or how lost the There's enough sin on my plate to keep me plenty busy. And there's enough sin on your plate to keep you plenty busy. And what we all need is to bring our sins before Jesus. I want to, as we close out, I want to pray a prayer that's not my own. Part of it won't be my own. This is a book. Uh, I don't always use it, but I have used it. It's called The Valley of Vision. It's a book of Puritan prayers. I found one this week that just spoke to my heart as I've been wrestling with this passage and this sermon this week. And so leading into the temptation, I want to pray a prayer that comes from this. It's called God and Myself. I'm just going to read part of it, but would you pray with me? Let's pray. Repentance and save me from despair. Let me come to thee renouncing, condemning, loathing myself, but hoping in the grace that flows even to the chief of sinners. At the cross may I contemplate the evils of sin and abhor it. Look on him who I pierced as one slain for me and by me. Well, God, you see your people today. You know who we are. You know every one of us. Lord, you know the sins of our hearts. God, you know our temptation to want to talk to you more about the sins of others than the sins of self. And yet this morning we hear your word. Oh God, as we desire to talk to you and hear from you, may we talk much about our sin. May we talk much about repentance. And God, as you've promised, may we hear much about forgiveness. We pray this in the prayer. Know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Your greatest need is not another sermon, not another worship service, not another visit from a pastor. Your great need is that you would repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus Christ today. If you don't know him in just a moment, I'll be right there, and I'd love to open God's word and show you how you can Repent of your sins and place your faith and trust in Jesus. If you're here this morning and you do know Jesus, we are just as desperately dependent upon him today as we have ever been. The only hope of forgiveness for our sins is the Lord Jesus Christ and his death that provided that forgiveness. We shouldn't harbor sin in our lives just because we made a decision on your heart, you be obedient to him.
I'm telling you, isn't that good news? Grace that is greater than all. I'm going to remember how much it is that I need forgiveness. How much it is that I have to bring to the Lord. I hope that we'll all do that this week. Brother Tom, would you come and close our service out in prayer and also pray for our offering, please, sir? And we'll be dismissed. Let us pray. Father, we're so thankful for this day that you've given us, Lord. We thank you for the beautiful service, the great singing, and the spot-on preaching, Lord. Father, we just thank you for all that you give us. And now at this time, Lord, we give back a small portion that you've given us back to you, Lord. And we do this in your honor. Father, we just ask that you be with us as we travel, as we go out this week, Lord, and bring us back safely.